Welcome to the New Hope 365 podcast. We are currently offering two services each week. We have a 9 a.m. worship service that you can attend either in person or online at newhope365.church, and we have a 10.30 a.m. family service for parents and children to attend together. We would love to connect with you however you feel most comfortable, either in person or online. And now, here is today's message. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to Sunday, December 27th. We are now two days past Christmas, and we are sailing into 2021, aren't we? 2021. Hard to believe we are going to be leaving 2020 behind us, but that's a good thing, right? Leaving 2020 behind us is wonderful. Think about this last year, everything that has happened. We've had riots, and we, we're uh, in a current pandemic, and we're hoping that with the vaccine and, and people uh, making sure that they're masked up and cleaning right and all of that, that this is going to be behind us sooner than later. And you can reflect a little bit. Maybe you have been sick, or maybe you lost a loved one, and you're like, this has been a really, really tough 2020. I know a lot of people that it's been difficult for. But I pray for the future. I pray as we go into 2021 that God will give us wisdom and he will give us courage. He will give us vision to see what it is he's wanting to do and help us to grab hold of his vision for his church. Today, I'm wrapping up this message on the kingdom. And I hope that you go back and listen and, and process a little bit about what it means to be a part of the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom that Jesus talked about so much in the New Testament. And today we're looking at a kingdom of evangelism, and specifically as it relates to going into a new year and wrapping up this year, this is one of the things that, as I've been praying and uh, kind of contemplating what I would talk about today, was if Jesus were here physically and he was sharing with us about his kingdom and leaving this, this year and going into the new year, I think it would be one of that we are to do what? Go and make disciples of all nations. We are to not forget the people that are outside the kingdom. In fact, it's kind of like in the kingdom of God, yes, there's miracles and healings and kindness and hope, all of that that exists within the kingdom. But as we go about the kingdom, and we're walking the wall, so to speak, of the kingdom, maybe we ought to notice the rest of the world that's not yet in the kingdom. And I know I'm grateful, my family's grateful, friends of mine are grateful that somebody looked over the wall, so to speak, of the kingdom and saw me and reached out to me. And and so today, we are talking about a kingdom of of evangelism that we cannot forget as we move into the future. I'll be teaching more about it, training more for it, equipping us as the body going into 2021. And so the kingdom is about relationships, right? Relationships. Relationships with God, relationships with others. And it's not, though, just about relationships with people that look like us and think like us, even though I know that that's, a, that's what we like, and we like to be with people that 
we enjoy, and we, we, we have a lot of things in common. But the kingdom that God wants to see is, is beyond just the relationships with people that look and think like us. And our Heavenly Father sent His Son not just for us, but for others, so that they could know and experience the, kingdom, the King's love in the kingdom and experience the forgiveness through His Son, Jesus Christ. So, but how, how do people learn and experience the Father's, Father's love if the, the people and the Christians within the kingdom don't look outside and reach a hand out to help others? So, today, the kingdom of evangelism to wrap up 2020. I'm fascinated by political satire and humor at times, and I know not everybody is, but I think it's an effective way to make commentary on what's going on in society today. And like the comedian who does a routine in which it's about a teenager in Brooklyn who is contemplating, what am I going to do this summer? When the summer comes, what am I going to do job-wise? And so is that, that teenager begins to think about it, goes, okay, I'm going to go and work at McDonald's for, you know, $7.25 or $7.50 or whatever the, the minimum wage is, the going rate at that time, and, and, and you'll do it. And maybe at the end of the week, you'll take home $150. And so this, this $150 bucks and this teenager, you know, thinks, yeah, that's an option. I could flip burgers at McDonald's and bring home 150 bucks a week. Or let's see, what else could I do for a summer job? Well, I could sell drugs. I could sell drugs. Let's think about that. I could work for, oh, maybe an hour a day and take home $10,000 a week. You know, buy a BMW, go to the beach in the afternoon and work at clubs at night. Hmm, it's a tough decision. Flipping burgers, 150 bucks a week, or doing one hour of dealing drugs, 10000 a week. Hmm. I wonder what I'll do for my summer job. Now, I'm obviously not, and obviously believe that dealing drugs is a terrible thing for anyone to do, but it's an interesting commentary to me. And, and it's sad that there are those awful choices that many young people are forced to make these days. But if we were a first century comedian... And we're cracking jokes about easy ways to make a fast buck in, in the first century society. We'd be cracking jokes not about drug dealing, but about tax collecting. Because if you had a taxing franchise in your region, back then you had the key to the bank. You'd send out tax bills to whoever and, and whatever base in, in Rome wanted to collect from, and then you would tack on, not only on that tax, you would tack on maybe 10%, 20%, on up to potentially 100%, whatever you wanted to add to the tab for your own profit. And then, and then if the people didn't give you the 10%, the 20%, the 50%, or whatever, then what you would do is you would send Roman soldiers to beat up anybody that wouldn't pay up. You had a literal license for extortion, which is precisely why the Jewish people hated tax collectors. So they were usually sleazy, greedful, deceitful people who profited off everyone else's misery. Now, it just so happens that the author of the first book in the New Testament, Matthew, or Levi as he's sometimes called, was a tax collector in his pre-Christian days. And so we're going to look at Matthew just for a little bit to give us a little bit of insight of what God is calling us to 
to not forget in the midst of some of the trials and the struggles and the issues that we face culturally. And it's easy to go, we're going to hunker in a bunker, we're going to kind of just lay low, and we're going to hope and you know, pray that everything's going to be all right just for us. But in the kingdom of God, we know this, that it's never just about us. It is about seeing the needs, meeting needs, impacting culture. And that's God's heart for us. And so Matthew, this tax collector, throws a party for all his tax collecting buddies to announce that he was closing up shop and signing up for a tour of duty with a teacher named Jesus. And so what I want to do in this message is to point out some of the highlights in the story to draw out some of the applications that I think will be helpful to us. The first thing highlighted you can see in this story about this Matthew is that Jesus handpicked Matthew and personally challenged him to follow him. In fact, Luke 5, 27 through 28 says this, that Jesus noticed a tax gatherer named Matthew. You know, this sleazebag by cultural definition sitting in the tax office and he said to him, follow me. And he left everything behind and rose and began to follow him. Luke 5.28 says in one sentence that Matthew left everything to follow Christ. And everything to a tax collector was what? A whole lot of money, land, and material possessions. And then the very next verse in 29 tells us that right after he accepts the challenge to be a follower of Christ, he throws a major party, a big banquet... And the text, the text of Scripture says, for his tax, fellow tax collectors and friends. Meaning, if one sleaze bag is going to have a party, they're going to bring the other sleaze bags with him, so to speak, culturally. And I'm convinced that these others that were part, it was, it was, that were part, it was, it was that Matthew was saying as he invited these friends that it's a goodbye party. And that he's no longer, not saying goodbye to them, but goodbye to the profession. And then he introduces his friends and cohorts to Jesus and some of his other disciples, other Jesus' other disciples. And Matthew then would be teaming up with them to what? Fulfill kingdom mission of what? Relationally loving people to Jesus Christ and seeing them grow whole in Jesus Christ. If you think of it, Matthew, what was he doing? He was really throwing an evangelistic mixer. He was, he was, he was throwing what, what I have heard and what I have shared over the years is what is called Matthew parties for people that are searching, seeking, that are outside the kingdom. But in the kingdom, we always in our heart believe that there are people outside that are waiting to get inside the kingdom. So he throws a Matthew party, hoping and praying that Jesus and his followers would be able to influence some of his tax-collecting buddies, just rubbing shoulders in a social setting. And maybe they would be able to build some bridges. Maybe they would even be able to have some spiritual conversations that could be followed up on later. So Jesus, little highlight, Jesus reaches out to Matthew, this individual that must have been seeking because he was willing to cross the line, and follow Jesus. The second highlight of the story is that the Pharisees, the religious leaders of the day, have a problem with evangelistic Matthew parties. And so 
the Pharisees and the scribes began grumbling at his disciples saying in Luke 5.30, Why do you eat and drink with tax gatherers and sinners? Why do you do that? All that they saw when they looked at Matthew and his buddies were profane, greedy, worthless sinners. I'm curious when you look over the wall of the kingdom, what it is you see, what it is you're looking at, what it is that you may be even judging. So they didn't like what they saw. That is the Pharisees. The third highlight is Jesus' response to the Pharisees' concern by comparing himself to a doctor. And I I love that. In the kingdom of God, we are doctors. Literally, if you didn't go to school to be a doctor, which most of us haven't, there are those that have. But in the kingdom of God, there are a ton of doctors. Okay? Luke 5, 31, you know, Jesus, uh, the, the, Jesus' response to the Pharisees' concern in saying this, Jesus answered and said, it is not those who are well who need a physician, okay? But those who are sick. And so Jesus appeals to the Pharisees' logic by asking them how smart it would be for a doctor to surround himself by people that are all well. How would that work for the profession of a doctor? It wouldn't really work well, would it? And Jesus appeals to the Pharisees' logic and and says, doctor has to be around sick people. Otherwise, there's not going to be a good medical practice. Smart doctors, Jesus said, surround themselves with people who need their services. They apply their skills. And they, they, and they actually bring those services to those who are actually ill. And, I mean, think about it. What is, our, what are, is the medical and the doctor community, in the, the medical community doing right now? They're around people that are, have been influenced or affected by the pandemic through other illnesses, sick people. You see, in the kingdom of God, we begin to see that, that what? There are outside of the kingdom sick people, and they need a doctor, and they need Jesus. And similarly, Jesus said about himself and his own mission, I have not come to call the righteous but sinners to repentance. Just like a doctor would surround himself with the, the, the ill, I surround myself with the sinful. And sometimes I think we just have grown comfortable, and it's okay to fellowship and engage in, with each other and get to know and be known. In fact, in fact, that's kind of the tension, isn't it? I mean, if we're honest, we go, do we have enough hours in a week to spend time with people that believe in Jesus and we love each other? And then, but at the same time, we're to be salt and light outside the community of believers and we we have to wrestle that one down and this is not something that's just going away and not something we can just bury our head in the sand about but jesus surrounded himself with sinners and and so jesus isn't for a minute suggesting that the pharisees are now sin free or suggesting that they don't need intervention his intervention in their lives romans three ten says tells us that there's none who are righteous not even one Nobody is righteous in and of their own. Romans 3.23 says, All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, including these Pharisees. And then it goes on in the book of Luke 15 to talk a little bit about what the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God is like. And in that story of Luke 15, and I'm not going to get in and read that text through because of time, but in Luke 15... There's a story about a sheep that gets lost and a shepherd that goes after the one sheep 
finds the sheep, and when he brings the sheep back, he gathers people around and they throw a party because the lost sheep is now found. And what our Heavenly Father, through Jesus, says is this, that that is the kingdom. That when one is lost is found, they throw parties in heaven. Story goes on in this parable that there was a lost coin. Lady loses his coin, sweeps her house up, finds the coin, and when she finds it, throws a party. And he said, just like she throws a party for a lost coin and found coin, is that now what's happening is in the community of heaven, the divine counsel of God are throwing parties for people that enter the kingdom of God. And then there's the one story that we're all very familiar with. It's the story of the prodigal son. And the story of the prodigal son is that son wants all of his inheritance, and he goes off to a foreign land, spends it all, and basically turns his back on his father, comes back humbly, and his father runs out to him in the midst of all of the, of the waywardness of his son. He goes out, runs to him, embraces him. It's an incredible story. He embraces him, and what does he do? He throws a party. He throws a party because the son that was lost is now found. And Jesus says, that is my kingdom. That's what I do and we do in the kingdom. Is we, we look and see, we find, and when we find, and they come into the, the full, so to speak, parties in heaven are thrown. So the story here is dripping in irony. Think about it. Here's Matthew, a mere rookie Christian who's only been a believer for a matter of days. And yet he's so concerned about the condition of his tax-collecting buddies that he takes a risk and throws an evangelistic party, trying to create some spiritual interactions that might lead to a few finding God's forgiveness and transformation in their lives. So Matthew takes the risk. He'll pay the price. He'll take the He'll take the abuse of the Pharisees. It doesn't bother him. He's got a heart of love and concern for his friends, his buddies, those that are looked at as cultures, outcasts. Contrast the rookie Matthew with the veteran spiritual leaders of the day, the lofty Pharisees, the the individuals that see themselves as highly educated, thoroughly trained, well-seasoned individuals of spiritual strength who have just missed the entire point of what Matthew and Jesus and other, other disciples are trying to do at Matthew's party. The Pharisees have become so obsessed with impressing themselves and impressing others with their righteousness that their hearts have become callous toward those who were what? At least by appearance, needed spiritual help the most. And in the kingdom of God, our Heavenly Father is saying, don't forget those that spiritually are sick, those that need a physician, and you go and you can help them. And these Pharisees, though, had reduced their faith to a self-improvement contest where they would score, it'd be like a competition toward higher and higher levels of superficial religious performance. And so there's a little dig going on here, and Jesus says in the first part of Matthew 9, 13, and let me paraphrase, look, you teachers go and learn. Become students of the Old Testament book of Hosea, where the prophets say on God's behalf, I desire compassion and not just sacrifice. In the kingdom of God, the compassion in our heart leads to looking over the wall and seeing those that are sick and having compassion on those and being willing to get in the fray 
get in the mess, and engage culture. And he's like, don't let your heart grow cold. Be careful as you mature in knowledge and in character, worship and repentance and giving and serving. It's like, it's like we want to what? We want to grow in, our, in knowledge of God. We want to become individuals that are, our characters aligned with God's character. And, and we want to worship and we, we want to live a life that's in repentance, that we're not continuing to sin against God. We, yes, we give generously and are part of a kingdom that gives generously. And I've shared about that and we serve. But be careful that you are also mature in compassion for those who are on the fast track to destruction. See, I've come to understand in my life that the longer and longer I walk with Christ, the softer my heart should become towards spiritually wayward people. The longer I have lived in my relationship with God, the more I have compassion for my neighbors that don't know Jesus, for those that are in the marketplace that don't know Christ, for those that are, are sick and hurting, if, if, if you mature in Christ and grow in Christ, your heart doesn't and should not callous, but should actually grow in greater compassion towards wayward people that are seeking or hurting or broke. Because we ought to see the whole world predicament more clearly when the Spirit of God fills us, removes scales from our eyes, and we begin to see those that are struggling outside the kingdom. I like a pastor saw a strong example of this sometime back, and he shared he was in a meeting and serving as a consultant role for a Christian organization. He was at this meeting, and a man of about 20 years, old, 20 years older than him came and uh, kind of took him aside and introduced himself, and he told the pastor, this, this individual told the pastor that he and his wife loved to organize ski trips and hiking expeditions with non-church people from the neighborhood. He explained how they got five or six couples together along with one or two evangelistically oriented Christian couples. For those, those outdoor getaways, they would bring in those individuals and the Christians would fast and pray and trust that as they all rub shoulders and hang together on those slopes, on the mountain trails for two or three days, the Holy Spirit, they would pray that the Holy Spirit will open some doors and some conversations might bear some spiritual fruit. And he told the pastor about all of these, these relationships and conversations that grow naturally out of these kinds of settings. And so the pastor asked, well, how is it working? And the man said, well, my wife and I have been doing this for seven or eight years now. And I suppose we've led maybe 30 or 40 couples to Christ. Think about that. 30 or 40 couples that were outside the kingdom coming into the kingdom. Then this man said to the pastor, you know, we have two or three of these weekends coming up this summer. Would you like to come and play a role in one of these? Would you come and mix it up and, and with a bunch of our spiritually seeking friends? His voice was so full of enthusiasm and his eyes were so full of passion for reaching lost people that as he spoke, the pastor remembers thinking, I wonder, I wonder if I'll be as fired up about reaching lost people 20 years from now as this guy is right now. I wonder if my heart will be burning like this, like his heart is burning. And according, I thought it was a great story, according to what Jesus is saying here as if a Christian is growing properly. Grow, growing 
properly, he or she will continually grow in compassion for spiritually off-track people, people that are outside the kingdom. So are we all growing? The question I have is, so are we all growing properly here in the New Hope 365 family? The answer is probably no. We're not probably all growing properly. But that's part of the journey, isn't it? That's part of the thing that keeps me up at night going, how can we as the body grow? And how can we adequately be trained? And how can we bring resources to the table to help us live to be salt and light outside of the kingdom? And so, no question, there are a lot of us that are growing in knowledge and in worship and character and serving and in giving. But are we also growing in tenderness toward people that are far from God and in our desire to do something about it? At a pastor's conference, I'm using pastors today, it's some time ago at this pastor's conference, a speaker asked about 400 pastors. When was the last time any of you have even had one dinner with a non-Christian? Has any pastor and this whole group had a single dinner with someone who was far from God in the last 12 months. And there were people looking for ink pens and blowing their noses and tying their shoes. And obviously it was an uncomfortable moment for these pastors sitting in this room. Okay? It was uncomfortable. The question I have is what about us? Are our whole lives revolving around the church? And I think something's got to shift for us, New Hope 365. Something's got to shift into 2021. And I actually have some strategy and some planning and some stuff that I desire to share with you. I'm just not going to do it right now. But as we get into 2021, you're going to have the opportunity to be a part of something that God has placed in my soul and I've been growing in and I'm going to bring it out. But you got to come and be a part of that, whether that's online or whether, <clears throat> whether that's our New Hope 365 family in person. Either way, we are going to help us on this journey to not just have our lives revolve around the church, but and not just around Christian service and Christian people, but we are going to have contact with people that are spiritually needy. If we don't, there's trouble. So, <clears throat> there's trouble for us if we don't engage those outside the kingdom. I wonder, I wonder today if any of you have kind of grown complacent and maybe the state of your soul is a little dusty. And so what I've been praying for is that you will clean the dust off your soul and that, you, that what matters to the heart of God will begin to matter to you. And one of the ways that I have found that somebody that maybe has a little dust on their soul, maybe a little kind of going, oh man, in the kingdom... Um, I just have struggled to reach out to those outside the kingdom. That I'm praying that you'll have a connection point. In fact, Tyler Wolf shared this some weeks ago about your circles of influence and those, those connections. And, and I'm just kind of taking and maybe expounding a little bit on that, but he struck a chord that says we can't forget the people that are in our spheres and circles of influence. And one of the ways to fire up your jets get you back on track, is engaging people, praying for people, starting spiritual conversations. So, and here's the deal, throwing Matthew parties. Throwing Matthew parties. I really believe that in this next year, 
we will throw some Matthew parties. Now, Matthew parties may look a little bit different in a pandemic and where we can't gather and meet at home and, and, and have, you know, big gatherings, so to speak. But maybe you could meet with two or three people as a family. Maybe you could invite somebody over and, and just begin to cultivate a relationship with them. So sometimes I realize that if we don't do this and we don't share, it's trouble for us, but then it's also trouble for them. You see, we have to have this relation, relational connection and it's trouble for individuals if we don't look out because what would their eternal state be without us sharing the hope of Christ? So it's so easy to let the scale go one way or the, one way or the other. It's like, okay, we're going to put all our stock in the, in the Christian in the church and church world and 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 it's like this is where we're we're heavy and i think our heavenly father is wanting to get the scale back up to realize that if we don't balance this better there will be people leaving this earth and entering eternity apart from god and that can't be okay with those who live in the kingdom of god we all need to take steps to develop and deepen relationships with others that are far from God and infectiously, as I would say, communicate God's love and truth. So when, with the time that remains here today, here's some of the things that I've practiced over the years and still continue to. And if you're going, well, where are all these people that you connect with and so forth? Relationships aren't built in a day and sick people don't just automatically become well in a day. We love when that happens. But, but it's less likely that that will happen. But what we have to do is take steps forward. And so here are some things that I have begun, I've been practicing for some time. And the first is what I might refer to as we become strategic and being evangelistic in the kingdom, looking outside the kingdom, is becoming a contagious consumer. The opposite side of the coin is true as well as I know we have some, you know, people that have been waitresses and salespeople and um, it's, it's the contagious consumer is this, that when you go to places that you offer hope, in fact, one of the, one of the things that has opened doors for me at Target, one of the things that has opened the doors for me at Quick Trip, and one of the things that has opened the door for me at a men's clothing store is I wore the hope is here mask. And somebody goes, what is hope is here? Is hope, hope is here? And it opens the door to share hope and share life and share, share something with somebody that might be going, I don't, I don't get it. Or they go, yes, I believe that as well. And what I often do is, is I frequent locations and places where people can see my face, get to know my name, and I can get to know their name. And it's, it's beginning to build bridges to people that, that are needing hope in their life. And so, with a little prayer and forethought, you could cultivate contagious relationships with some people that are, that are either at a, at a gas station, at a Target, at a Walmart, uh, whatever, and, and, and or vice versa. If you're out there in the, in the world in which you're like in the retail world, you could actually be contagious with some regular customers and over time, lead to a spiritual conversation. Colossians 4, 5 says, tells us to act with wisdom toward outsiders and make the most of every 
opportunity. So, this year, let's redouble those efforts in our situations. So, another setting is business settings. Where, where in the marketplace, you can even go, hey, um, I would like to do at the lunch hour, I'd love to do a group on values. And I'd love to invite you to be part of a group and where we talk about values, or we talk about leadership, or we talk about, we talk about uh, family or whatever. And you invite individuals to be part of that in the business setting. And what you're doing is you're trying to cultivate relationships, not, not sit and, and proselytize in a way that people are so offended that they don't want to be a part, but just cultivating and loving the people where they're at. In the business community. Strategic recreation and exercise. Here's one that I've done for years. Um, go and work out and get to meet somebody that's on a treadmill. or that. And I know it's weird in a pandemic, but I'm believing that God, as, as things progress, that God will continue to place in your soul. Do a yoga class, a Zumba class. And on top of it, here's the deal. You get to get physically well, and at the same time, you get to reach somebody or to impact somebody's life and relationally love them so that they can become well. So strategic recreation or exercise, things, things of that, and getting in a volleyball league or getting in a pool league or um, what, whatever it might be, or, or your children, you could get them into some classes or courses where you're around parents that are searching or looking or hoping that life will make sense to some degree, and you have the sense, and you have the hope in you. Some are strategic, civic, community, school, or political involvement. Yep, you could get on a political campaign trail, be around people that are very different than you, but you rub shoulders with them. You can get into be part of the community school boards. I believe the church ought to be penetrating all of these spheres and rubbing shoulders with people in those environments. The workplace, one of the things that has bothered me for years is when people say, and I hear Sincere Christians bemoan the fact that they are surrounded by non-Christians. And I think we lose the biblical perspective. When people go, you know what? All I work around all day is non-Christian people. And I'm thinking, that is outstanding that you get to do that. And they, people gripe about that. But I'm afraid that what happens is we lose the biblical perspective on what it means to be salt. What is that? Something, salt has to have something to flavor. Light needs to be around darkness or it doesn't make much of a difference. Salt and light. Light is so important, but you've got to break out. And I've had to break out and I continue to break out of my comfort zone. Stop isolating myself, which is easy for me to do. I'd kind of like to just go into my little cave and hide. But that's not what God has called me to. You've got to stop isolating and focus instead on lovingly reaching out because that's what Christians in the kingdom do. As they look out, they take a risk and see what God does. And finally, of course, we could talk about opportunities that we have with people in our neighborhoods or in extended families or among professional groups. In fact, I think that there are those that are in this room, those listening online, where you actually have stories and testimonies of neighborhoods and families and professional groups that you've impacted and you've touched and you're beginning to cultivate that relationship and you're praying for. And I, I'm believing with you that this year will be one in which you'll begin to see steps forward 
of living a life that sees people that potentially can be part of the kingdom and you'll be bold enough to cross that line. So what I want to remind you of as we close and as we move into 2021 is just remind you of the spiritual rookie named Matthew. Remember the despised tax collector who upon his conversation through a Matthew party, an evangelistic party, in order to get Jesus and his disciples in their rubbing shoulders with his not-so-spiritual friends. And I'd love if New Hope, the church, would develop the heart of a Matthew. And I'll, be the, I'll lead the way with that. And I'll, I'll share what is going on in my life with others. I'll be bold to do that. And I'd love to hear testimonies of Matthew parties. And it doesn't, again, it doesn't have to be hundreds of people or 20 people or 10 people. It could just be a dinner date. I'd love to hear those stories, those Matthew parties springing up as the Holy Spirit gives you boldness, gives you boldness and creativity. And then remember Jesus' words that a doctor ought to be strategic with the use of his time. He ought to spend plenty of time with the sick. For Jesus said, I didn't come for the healthy but I came for the sick. And so, strategy of time. Talk more about that into 2021, about what I've shared as a tithe of time, of becoming and aligning your life in such a way that you will have some margin and space to rub shoulders with people that are seeking. How about it? Will you let the Holy Spirit speak to you about these? I can't force this. I can't manipulate this. I could try, but I'm not. Will you let the Spirit speak to you about these matters? And I, as I've been praying, I believe God is doing something in your life right now, in this room, and online as well. So bow your head and close your eyes with me. Heavenly Father, we have, as, as vessels in the kingdom... We've been given a mandate to look over the wall and see those outside the kingdom. And not shoot arrows and not try to light them on fire, but to truly care and love and have compassion for those. And I pray for those individuals, and I pray, God, you'll plant that deep in our soul. And that, Lord Jesus, as we go into 2021, that we will be a a kingdom. New Hope 365 will be a kingdom of individual of Christians and and a group of individuals that truly will what? Throw Matthew parties for people that are seeking and searching and hoping and wondering why the world maybe doesn't make sense. And God, you, your hope by your spirit is in us. I thank you for what you're going to do. I thank you for God, what you're establishing and have established. And I can't wait to see what 2021 holds in store for a a a group of Christ followers that are truly about relationally loving people to you, Jesus, and becoming whole in you, Jesus. Thank you. In your awesome and mighty and limitless name we pray. Amen and amen. Thank you for listening to today's message. We'd like to invite you to visit our website, newhope365.church, where you can access past sermons, devotional series, videos and activity pages for families, get connected with one of our life groups, and keep up with everything happening here at New Hope 365.